God, we thank you that we do get to hold your word in our hands, that we get to study your word together, that we can read it in our own language even. And God, I'm so grateful that um, you use hard things even to produce growth within us. And God, I ask that you be with us as we look at the book of Leviticus, which can seem like a, a hard thing. But God, I ask that you would help us to grow in and through it, that all that we do would be done for your honor and your glory. God, we love you so much, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, <clears throat> my parents are here for this service, which I think is scary because I often use family stories to get things going. So, sorry, parents. Um, I won't point them out. But um, growing up, as far as I remember, uh, cakes were made for very important and very celebrated days. Like, it was birthdays. Like, I don't, and maybe this is bad memory. My parents can correct me later. Um, I remember having cakes only on birthdays. Like, it was the se special celebrations. We'd have other things, but like, cake was special celebrations. And uh, soon after Sarah and I were married, I come home from, I don't remember if it was school or work, whatever. I got home, and Sarah's made a cake. And I panicked. Because I'm like, I have, I have obviously... My iPad's about to call somebody up here. I'm sorry. Which one? <laughs> Which one? Um, there we go. Um, yeah, so I got home, and I'm like in a panic and like treading lightly as there's cake in front of me thinking, I don't think it's her birthday. I'm pretty sure it's not anniversary, but I'm like scanning my mind going, what important day have I missed? So I'm just kind of casually like, so <laughs> what's going on? Like, <laughs> she's like, I don't know. I'm thinking, man, she knows. She's got me. Like, and I'm, I'm going, oh, man, i got to be real careful with what I do here. And uh, I'm, like, kind of asking more questions. And all of a sudden, she's like, you can tell it's getting weird because it's like, she's like, it's just cake. Like, I'm like, no, it's not just cake. I know. But, yeah, come to find out, people make cake for other things, too, like just dessert. And um, I had no idea, apparently. And... Um, for me, though, that was always something that, like, that was a special thing in my mind. Like, when there was cake, it meant a celebration. There was something um, go, big going on. And, you know, we can celebrate a lot of different things. We can celebrate them a lot of different ways, whether it be cake or no cake. Um, but we celebrate things a lot of different ways. And, and today what we're going to look at in Leviticus chapter 16 is a bit of a celebration. But I think we can also celebrate things that are really good, and we can celebrate things that are really hard that have happened. We can celebrate what God can do in the midst of hard times. And we can celebrate those things because we see what God has done even through hard things. So we're going to look at Leviticus chapter 16, which talks about the Day of Atonement. And we're going to look at how that turns into a bit of a celebration, even though it might be some hard things. So as we've been walking through Leviticus, um, a bit of what we talked about so far, we've been talking about how sacrifices were made, and they were made in order to make us clean, to purify us, and it was done for individuals, and it was done on a routine basis, that it was done regularly to be ritually, morally clean, so that we could be covered from all the impurities that we have because of the sin that's in our lives. And so we talked about this distance that happens between us because of the sin in our lives that we're not able to come before God, that Moses wasn't able to talk to God in the tent of meeting until Numbers, but God spoke to Moses from the tent. So there was some distance between them at the beginning of Leviticus. And so that distance is closed because of the sacrifices that are made so that they could be clean and come before God again. And so that's kind of where that was happening there, that that sin creates a separation 
but God made this sacrificial system so that we'd be able to come close to him again. But then kind of last week, I think we touched a little bit on the, the idea that we need to come into God's presence with care. Because Nadab and Abihu had not done that. They, they came before God and it said that they offered a, a strange fire. That, that there was some sort of sacrifice that was made that was strange and was not what God had commanded. And because of the disobedience, they were killed. And so as we look into Leviticus chapter 16, that's where we kind of start with is this idea is that we need to enter, enter God's presence with care. We don't just do it um, nonchalantly. So Leviticus 16 starts this way. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, that when they drew near before the Lord they, and they died, and the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place, inside the veil, before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into this holy place. So he's told not to come, but then is given specific instructions of how that can happen. God's laying out this plan here to reconcile or bring back that broken relationship with him. That he's created really for, for that to happen, um, that we would not be destroyed when we come in before him in his presence. But it's done through sacrifices that are given. And some of the sacrifices that were given, they were given in different ways. They had different meanings to them. Some of them were kind of meant to say, I'm sorry for what I've done. Others of the sacrifices were meant to say, thank you for all that you've done. But all of it was done to be made in a right relationship, to become perfect, to be holy uh, before God, that God would cover and atone for our sins. And it was done through that sacrifice. So as, as we look at chapter 16, I, I mentioned before that it's talking about this Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur is what it's called now, and it's actually just a couple weeks ago, back on September 25th. Um, but this day was, had a pretty high meaning. If you were an Israelite, you would, have, you would have held this day as one of your top days probably to celebrate. You know, we have Christmas is always a top day that we celebrate, and it's a joyful day. We remember that God sent Jesus to be with us, but we also celebrate a hard day as well. Almost every year we get come together on Good Friday. And Good Friday is a very somber day because it's the day we remember that Jesus went to the cross. And even though it's a hard day, we still celebrate it because of the sacrifice that was made through Jesus. And so we can kind of have this, this same idea, this idea of a somber day that we get to celebrate what God has done. But that celebration, it comes at a cost. And we remember what that cost was. We recognize who it was for, that it was for all people. And so I guess the first point we want to point out here is that God offers atonement for sins. That this, this is done through sacrifice. This is done through sacrifices that were made um, to purify, to atone or cover uh, for sins. So this is kind of where we left off in, in verse 3, that God's laying out the way that, that Aaron can enter in uh, to this holy place. As done through three sacrifices that we see, and the first two are kind of made in this way for atonement. The first one was a bull that sacrificed for Aaron and his whole household, the Levites, the priests, that were the ones to go before and make a way before God to intercede. So Aaron prepared himself here as we continue reading verse 4. It said that, that Aaron was to put on this holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen undergarment on his body, and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist, and he should wear the, wear the linen turban, 
And these are the holy garments. And he shall bathe his body in water and put them on. So this is him preparing himself to be able to go in, to then in verse 6 be able to offer this sacrifice. That Aaron is, is going to bring offer this bull as a sin offering for himself, to make atonement for himself and for his whole household. So Aaron's going to set out this sacrifice to atone. He's going to be atoning for the sins of the people of Israel, but first he's taking care of himself to make sure that he is then pure as he goes before God, and to do this for himself and also for his household, for the priests that would go on behalf of the people before God. So this, this word atonement is to really to cover over someone's debt, to, to pay the debt that's owed for something. We, we read back in Romans that the wages of sin is death, and that death requires a payment. And so the payment was the blood of this animal because that showed the life that this animal had lived. It was given to pay the outstanding debt. So the system of sacrifice that God is instituting, it's a way that, that it's not going to be our own blood that's required, our own life that has to be paid. But with all the sin that's around, even, even when there is forgiveness of sins, there's, this day of atonement is really the, the whole cleansing. Like this, this is to, to purify everything for everything that may have happened last year that maybe we've missed or things that have been overlooked. This was like, it's almost like sin pollution. Like we've had some bad air quality days over these last couple months. And like, it's like almost as if there's like this sin pollution still in the air that the sin that we have is not just in us, it spreads around us. Like we, we in relationship with others, we, somebody lies to you, they can come back and ask for forgiveness of sin from that lie. We can forgive that situation. But the next time they come to me and tell me something, do I still hold that in the air? Like, is that still kind of holding over our heads of like, well, is this going to be truth? Is it not? And so there's still that, like, our world is broken by sin. And so what this is to do is to, supposed to say this is a completely clean slate. We're, we're going to be totally pure here. We're going to, to make sure that we atone for all sins, that we would wipe them all away. So Aaron's going to present this bull and the blood <clears throat> of it before God. And as Aaron is going to go in and do this, this is the, the once-a-year opportunity to enter into the Holy of Holies, the place that, that God's presence is supposed to rest over that mercy seat. And it's, it, it can be a scary thing, as we talked about, that the presence of God is powerful and holy, and to enter before it can be a scary thing, but it's also a great privilege to walk in before God. But he knows that he has to do it with caution. As we just read, what happened to Aaron's sons as, as they had gone in as well. So the instructions then are given in verses 12 and 14 that he's going to take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small. And he's going to, he shall bring it inside of the veil. And he's going to put the incense on the fire before the Lord. And the cloud of the incense is going to cover the mercy seat. That cloud's going to kind of grow in there. <clears throat> and it's going to cover over the testimony so that, that he, he does not die. And he shall take some of the, the blood of the bull, and he's going to sprinkle it with, from his finger on the front of the mercy seat and on the side, on the east, and in front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle with some blood with his finger seven times. And so he makes this sacrifice of the bull. He brings that in so that the priest can come in and enter. 
And so he's going to then do that same thing for the people of Israel, now that the priests have been cleansed. And so they're going to bring in these two goats, and they're brought for two different reasons. So the, let's keep reading. Leviticus 7, we're jumping around a little bit. Leviticus 16, 7 through 9 says that they're going to take, take two goats, set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, and the one lot for the Lord, and the other for Azale. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord, and use it as a sin offering. So this first goat then is going to be sacrificed in the same way as the bull. That the blood is going to be taken, it's going to be brought in and, and sprinkled over the mercy seat to atone for this holy place and for the people of Israel to be able to come before, to cover the whole house of Israel. So the sacrifice of the bull was for Aaron and his family, and then for this goat was for the people of Israel. And then the last sacrifice that was made then was for the removal of sins, to, to actually take them away. And it's something that we know as a scapegoat. But that's, this is what God offers is the removal of sins. <clears throat> so we're going to read then uh, verses 20 to 22. It says, And when he had made an end of the atoning for the holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. So one, one died as sacrifice and one was was living then, and Aaron shall lay both hands on his head, the head of the live goat, and confess over all the iniquities of the people of Israel, and all their transgressions, all of their sin. And he shall put them on the head of the goat, and then send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. And the goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness." So Aaron took, took this goat, he laid his hands on it to symbolically transfer the sins of the people onto the goat. And Aaron stood there confessing all of the sins. I love that it says all, not just some. That he stood there and confessed all of the sins on, uh, from the people of Israel onto this goat to symbolically place the blame of all the people onto this innocent goat. So that's, we, we come up, have that term scapegoat, that um, maybe a term that we've used but it's to put the blame, place the blame on an innocent one that, that is probably undeserving. Again, this is a story my parents probably hate. Um, I remember back when I was a kid, we, we, had, we had a Sega Game Gear. It was old school color gaming system. We had a little sectional couch that curved like this. So the best way to play for as many hours as possible was to sit behind the sectional in that corner where nobody could see you, turn the volume down low, and uh, play for a long time, right? But in hopping behind the couch, someone could have possibly accidentally uh, stepped on the curtains and tore them off the wall. Who knows who that was? <laughs> but when parents got home that evening, the curtains were still laying down. And so we were all called out. I have three sisters. We were all called out to see who this may have been. I'm a middle child, which we're the quiet ones, and I chose that moment to remain the quiet one. <laughs> and I, as we're getting questioned about who this was, I didn't say it wasn't me. I just didn't have a lot to say at that point, apparently. But apparently my other middle sister looked more guilty than I did because she was the one that received the punishment for said curtains being torn down. Probably a bad time to let you guys know that was me. Um, 
There's witnesses now. <laughs> um, but not to say that I blamed her, because blame and fault are completely different. The sins that we have are our fault. But the blame of the scapegoat took the fault that we had. And so when we look then toward the future of what a scapegoat is, we make this connection to the New Testament. As we look at all these sacrifices that are made and we look to to the New Testament, that, that God is laying out this perfect picture for us to understand what's happening as Jesus is sent. Because Jesus comes as the perfect sacrifice to offer atonement for our sins, to cover our sins, and also to remove them. Because at some point, we can have all these scapegoats that once a year have the blame of Israel put on them, and then they're taken out into the wilderness, but they're still wandering in the wilderness. They're still out there somewhere. They're not completely removed. But Jesus comes, and in this perfect way, he takes this sacrificial system that's been put into place 1,500 years before he would ever even come, But they continually see these sacrifices that are offered so that they would understand that Jesus is about to change that whole system forever. That in Hebrews chapter 10, really, it shows how Jesus takes this this sacrifice and the atonement and the removal of sins, that Jesus did it in the most final and full way. And so Hebrews 10.10 tells us that, it it says this, And by that will we have sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And then verses 12 to 14 says, And when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time for his enemies to be made a footstool under his feet. For by one single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And then down further in 17 and 18 it says, And then he adds, And I will remember their sin and their lawless deeds no more. And where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus completes the imagery that we see through Leviticus. The Day of Atonement, really Jesus takes this all and he puts puts it in place fully ours, completed. Do we see Jesus as the perfect high priest, that he is the one that now goes before us? to be able to intercede with us before God. He also took on the place of being the perfect sacrifice, that he came in the perfect way to offer his body, his blood, for our sins, to cover us so that it wouldn't be our, our blood that had to be spilled for our own sins. And so through him, he covers our sins and we have forgiveness of sins. And then he becomes the perfect scapegoat to then take, on, take all of it on, to, to put that on himself, to carry it, even though it's not his fault. He takes our blame on himself. And this isn't just once a year, and it said twice in there, it was once and for all. He made the sacrifice once, and he made it for all time and for all people. Jesus completes the sacrificial picture as he himself becomes the sacrifice to atone and remove all of our sins. And it changes our lives. So as the worship team comes back up, I think back to, to making cakes and making that be a special day. I think those, those good days, the days that we celebrate can be through good things, hard things. But the Day of Atonement is a day that the Israelites would have remembered as a day that 
that changed their world, that, that it brought forgiveness and removal of sins. And I think we need to remember the same as well, that when Jesus came and we come each week and we take communion and we, we do all of this in a way that we, we come and remember the body that was given, the blood that was spilled, and it was the removal of our sins once and for all. And that forgiveness that we receive is given to us so freely, it should compel us to want to be people also of forgiveness. That for those around us, they, they would see the way that Jesus forgave us, that we live in the same way that they would see that as well. But we have reason to celebrate today, whether that be with cake or without, that Jesus forgives and removes sins, and he does it by taking our, pay, our place and paying for our price. Let's pray. God, I thank you that, um, that even through the book of Leviticus, we see how you are setting this picture in place. God, help us not to forget the price that you paid for us and that we ever be grateful and that we live in a way that's so different because of the sacrifice that you made by taking our place. God, we love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?
you died, I am raised to life. Hallelujah, the Lamb of the Lamb of God in my place. Your blood poured out, my sin erased. It was my death. You died, I am raised to life. Hallelujah, the Lamb of God. You may be seated. I'm sure you probably all know it's homecoming this week, Wayne State College, a uh, time when we can uh, be back together with maybe some, some friends we haven't seen in a long time, and that does take some effort on somebody's part. I mean, if you just live here, you're here, and they come here, but it takes an effort on their part, so, uh, uh, we, but these reconciliations, you know, they're great things. Uh, with friends, of course, reconciling with God is even more important, and that's what we've been talking about this morning, this whole concept of atonement. Um, and we think about, we, we read Leviticus and everything that, it had, that you had, they had to go through, all the various uh, rituals as part of that, that, uh, that, uh, that atonement process. And uh, we're kind of grateful we don't, do that anymore. It's much more simple under the new covenant. But we read things like Leviticus to remember that it's not so simple on God's end, on Jesus' end. Jesus had to go through a whole lot to become not simply that uh, the sacrifice for our sins, but also to be that scapegoat to gather our sins on him and to take them out to the wilderness. I think that, more than anything, is, is part, of, part of the process to think, what was that like? Now, he had went out to the wilderness for eternity somehow. He's not bound by time. So that, for some, some ways, I don't quite understand it, but we've got to think about that. He had to take our sins out there into the wilderness where we needed to be. It's where our, our, we needed to be. And so we don't have to be there. We can be with God. So as we re receive these emblems of his sacrifice, let us, you know, be ever cognizant. Although it's simple for us, simple faith gets us to this point it took a whole lot on his part. I'd like to read a little bit out of Romans before we, we pray. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his 